Hello and welcome to Wagawheel Coffee Table. It's a film podcast. Everybody and welcome back to the Wagon Wheel Coffee Table podcast. I'm your host Ellis. This is episode twenty-three. Is it episode twenty-three? No, that was last. That was last week. Ellis. This is episode twenty-four. Can you tell how long it's been? God, you know when I came back from my holiday after having a bit of a break a few episodes ago, I said, you know, what? I'm going to try and do this a bit more consistently. I'm going to try these a bit more often. I didn't promise to once a week, but you know, I said I was going to do more consistently, and here we are. How long since the last one came out? Uh, like three weeks. So, you know, at least I'm consistently inconsistent. That's got to be a positive thing, right? Right? Um, so today we're going to talk about a few things. Because I, I wanted to uh, record an episode just because it hadn't been a while and I was missing it. But I don't really know what to talk about. I'm going to do a Chris Vanilla ranking soon. Um... But I just, I just need more time. I haven't seen following yet. And I just haven't got around to watching it. So I just need a bit more time to prepare for that one. Um, so I was thinking like, what what could we talk about? What could I talk about? What's, what's come out recently that I could talk about? Oh yeah, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, and also I'm going to talk about, I don't know if, I'm going to, well yeah, I'm going to talk about the Mission Impossible movies. Because over the last few weeks I've been watching all of them. And a couple of days ago, I finally watched Dead Reckoning uh, at the cinema. It was nice to see a Mission Impossible film in the cinema, obviously, because the rest of them I've been watching on uh, on TV. There was a day when I was off work where I watched... Because I watched one ages ago, because I was going to do all the Mission Impossibles for when Dead Reckoning came out. But then I just couldn't be bothered, because I didn't really like Mission Impossible 1. And then I started Mission Impossible 2, and I was like, God, this is awful. Um, so, oh, so maybe they're all bad and I just this just isn't my kind of film but I was off work one day and not feeling great so I just I watched two three and four back to back and I'm in I'm in ladies and gentlemen I'm in so before we go into the Mission Impossible films I'm going to do a bit of a ranking bit of just a general chat about them my thoughts what, which ones I like which ones I don't like but first, let's talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer. Obviously, I'm going to talk about more about Oppenheimer during my Chris Nolan ranking. Um, but I thought I could just talk about them both, just because that the title's good. I just want to put Barbenheimer in a title of a podcast. So, I'll start with... Well, I watched Oppenheimer first, so let's start with Oppenheimer. Um, I saw this in IMAX. Uh, Leicester Square IMAX. I don't know how to explain it, but I wouldn't associate watching Oppenheimer with one that's like, oh yeah, it's it's. No, that's probably not right. Actually, I've just disagreed with myself. I was going to say it's not really like an IMAX film, but then I was like, yeah, no, it actually is. Seeing Killian Murphy's massive head on the massive screen was uh was pretty great actually, and the sound really shook you to your core. Um, but I honestly, I really really liked Oppenheimer. It's kind of. It's such a different film to what I'm used to by Christopher Nolan. It's just people talking in rooms, basically. Um, and it's just really enjoyable. It's really interesting. It's it's a really interesting subject. Obviously, the Trinity Test and Oppenheimer as a person and his life and his work and what he achieved, I guess, if that's the right word, um, are really just interesting to learn about. 
anyway. But then when you put it in a Christopher Nolan film with all these amazing performances, you can't really lose. It's it's incredible. Obviously, there's a lot of like political and like a lot of the stuff with Robert Downey Jr. Although he's really good, and is his name Alden Eindrick? I can't remember his name, but and Rami Malek and all that story. Although that's really compelling, I did get lost sometimes. But then you get lost for five minutes and then something happens. You're like, oh, no, I get what's been happening now. OK, I'm back in, which I kind of maybe is a bit like, what's the word? I kind of expect that from Christian films sometimes or I expect that from these kinds of films, which are very like political and or about politics, I should say, um, and all that sort of stuff. So you kind of expect it. Um, but I still really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's got some of the best performances of the year. Killian Murphy, um, probably on Genius, obviously really good. Rami Malek just comes in for one scene as and is incredible. Like just comes in and like just fucks it up both um, in the narrative. Like he comes in and like just disrupts things, but also just in his performance, just comes in and goes, "Yeah, I'd, actually, I am an Oscar winner." Um, and yes, it was Bohemian Rhapsody, but, you know, I actually am an Oscar winner, so everyone needs to sit down and listen to what I have to say. It just seemed like that kind of performance, and I think Chris Nolan maybe knew that and was like, I'm going to get this guy in because he is an Oscar winner, but maybe people still underrate him for some reason. So, yeah, it's really good, and obviously the ending is just depressing <laughs> and powerful and just and one of the best endings i've seen in a long time just really powerful and i keeps it keeps coming up on like my like instagram reels like people videoing it and it's like oh i just saw the most amazing ending ever but don't record it jesus christ it can't be the most amazing ever if you're holding your phone in front of your face you know um but yeah it's a really great film and there's been a lot of good performances this year but Killian Birth is definitely going to be in the running for an Oscar. Um, supporting cast wise, oh, I've got like even Matt Damon's great in it. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a big Matt, um, Jack Quaid fan, so I was pretty happy to see him. Josh Peck is in it. He doesn't have many lines, but he's still really good in it. Benny Safdie is excellent, actually. He a really good performance from Benny Safdie. Um, but yeah, I I was talking to my to my friend, and we were saying obviously it's kind of a joke that I'm a big Jack Quaid fan. But I think I've only seen like one or two Jack Quaid films actually well Scream and Oppenheimer I don't know if I've seen any others I probably have but I can't remember them now oh like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that kind of things but so I was thinking like oh if I ever set up a Patreon I'd call it the Jack the Jack Quaid fan club um just because I think I've said this before but like when I was talking about the Scream films I was saying that you know, Jack Quaid in the Scream film that he's in is the best performance I've ever seen because I knew, um, spoilers, spoilers for that Scream film that came out years ago. I knew he was the killer going into it. Like, I knew that spoiler. But he was so good in the film. I was like, no, I must have read it wrong. And then it ended up being the killer. So I just, and I, since then I've been like, this guy's incredible. He's so charming. And I haven't seen The Boys. Uh, and I haven't seen other things that he's in. But I need to because I'm, I, I'm a really big fan of that one performance. And he's great in this one as well, in Oppenheimer. Um, but yeah really enjoyed Oppenheimer um I think it's I don't know if it's it's definitely not my favorite Chris Nolan film but it might be his best I think it's just just because it's so different from anything else he's done um I was just really impressed by it and I think a lot of 
criticism that gets thrown at Chris Nolan is that his like concepts and his set pieces and his like visual storytelling is really good, but often his dialogue is very like exhibition heavy because often people are just trying to explain what's happening because it's a confusing story in his other films. Um, and I think that, yeah, his dialogue is often something that's criticised, but I think it's really ambitious of him to just have a film that's just men talking in rooms, or mostly men talking in rooms. And it didn't... It held up. Like, he was really good. Yeah, it's a lot of exposition. It's a lot of stuff happening, but it kind of works for this film because it's people trying to figure out what to do and how to make a nuclear bomb. Um, and... It's interesting, I just, like, since watching this film, you do a bit of research on Oppenheimer. Like, I knew who Oppenheimer was, that he created the atomic bomb and all that stuff. I don't really know anything about him. And it's really interesting that he never, like, publicly said that he regrets it. He never, like, apologises to the people of Japan or anything like that. But, so his, like, words don't say that he regrets it. But every action he's taken since the Trinity Test and since Hiroshima... um, has suggested that he does regret it and that he is he is he is um re- yeah he basically regrets being behind it or being one of the big people behind it uh and this film takes that stance and the end then the ending comes through with that and it's just a really powerful ending the score is incredible i've been listening to the score so much recently um yeah, it's just a really great film. And Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, like, they don't really get much to do. Well, at, they do get, like, a lot to do just in, like, a short space of time. Um, Emily Blunt is really good in a scene. Oh, she's really good throughout the film. Um, but there's, like, two scenes that she's just excellent. There's one scene where she doesn't even speak. It's really in the end. She doesn't even speak. She just looks at Benny Safdie, and it's incredible. And there's another scene uh, where she's, like, standing up for her husband. Um, one thing I kind of because the story kind of tells you that he Oppenheimer's a bit of like a ladies man but I didn't, I never really got that like it shows him like having multiple lovers and you know cheating on his wife or whatever but I never really got that he was like a, a bit of a, a playboy and a bit of a ladies man you know I didn't really get that kind of charm from Clem of his performance but I don't really care it's still a great performance right Barbie Watch this a few days later. I did really like Barbie. I was kind of... It's weird because my expectations were like... I have no idea what to expect. Like when it was announced that... Like Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are in Barbie... Or like directing it in Barbie. I was like, oh my god, what the hell is this going to be? Because so far I've seen Ladybird and Little Women. And I'm like, okay, Barbie, interesting. I don't know what this is going to be like. Then you see the trailer, and it's like, okay, so it's kind of it's probably going to be a bit like the Lego movie, um, but it, it, it kind of is, but it's not really. And then I heard people saying that it's like anti-men, and it's too feminist, and that kind of made me think, oh, I'm probably going to like this film, because I doubt it's actually going to be too feminist. Like, what the fuck does that even mean, you know? Or anti-man, like... When people say something is that and that it probably isn't and it's probably just them being like it's just their ego being hit a little bit. Um and just on that actually, I guess we can go into the film, but just on that 
I actually didn't think this was that anti-men. Um, I think it's quite like, it's quite, it like feels sorry for us, for men. It's like, bless, like, you're, you're, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, but it's kind of like, it's kind of saying like, yeah, no shit, men are dickheads. You live in a world where your ego is always fed and you're always put on a pedestal. And I'm not trying to say that that's an excuse or anything like that, but the the film, when, like, Ken goes to the real world, he gets, like, infected by the the matriarchy. Sorry, the patriarchy. <laughs> the matriarchy. The patriarchy. Uh, he gets infected by, like, the patriarchy and then goes back to Barbieland and kind of ruins it. But I didn't think it was anti-men. Like, they point, they poke fun at, like, masculinity and how fragile it is, and how, like, the male ego is so full of holes, and it can just crumble at any moment, like, we're really fragile, and there's just, I think, that was kind of fun, and it was, I didn't, wasn't offended by it, and it's strange that people are offended by it, but, you know, they're just, I don't know why people would be, but, anyway, on, it's, it's just a very, like, I'm glad that this film exists. Like, I'm not a woman, so I can't really comment on how it makes me feel because I'm as a woman, because I'm not. But the speech that um, America Ferreira does, her speech about, like, the, women, the um, female experience, really powerful and, like, honest and straightforward and not, you know, not beating around the bush. Just saying, this is how it is for us. I, I liked that. I don't understand, I just don't, I'm just annoyed that people are offended by this film, like, Andrew Tate fans, I don't know, they're probably offended by this film, I don't know if they are, but they probably are, or like, just like Ben Shapiro being offended by this is hilarious, but also like, annoying, um, I know you you guys probably saw the picture on Twitter of him saying it's the wokest film ever, shut the, ah, god, I just get annoyed. God, let me talk about just nice things about this film. It's a little, like, fucking... It's just really fun, really funny. It's really, it's like a laugh a minute. It's honestly really, really funny. Um, obviously, Ryan Gosling... Everyone's talking about Ryan Gosling's performances. He's incredible incredible in it. He's really funny. Really, like, vulnerable and kind of immature. Like, every, every character in this is a fucking idiot. Every character in this is so stupid. And that makes it hilarious. Barbie's journey is really interesting... Margot really plays it perfectly, going from, like, naivety to heartbreak to just existentialism. She really plays it really well. Um, The one thing I didn't really like, I didn't really like the ending. I felt like they kind of got to the end and didn't really know how to end it. Obviously, it's, like, Barbie coming to terms with, like, dying or, you know, she becomes human or whatever. Like, the end, the last joke is really, really good. The The ending joke is incredible. But what I mean is, um, I, the emotional climax, I didn't really, I think it didn't really stick the landing with both, like, Ken, Barbie, and everyone. I just didn't think it quite stuck the landing. Um, but, you know, it's it's not really a kid's film. But it's a, mm, that's probably not a fair criticism because kid's films have emotionally satisfying endings. But I just, I just feel like the ending just kind of was a bit rushed, maybe. Maybe not rushed, but it just didn't fit for me. But still a really good film. 
and seeing now Noah Baumbach's name in that sparkly font was was fun. Um, yeah, I think that's all I'll say on Barbie and Oppenheimer. It's two really great films that are out at the minute. I hope the industry doesn't learn the wrong lessons from Barbie, but they probably will. You know, they're going to make films on all the kids' toys now, Mattel, and it's going to be awful. But they should give female directors more movies. They should give movies like this more money. Not movies about toys, but movies about women. And I'm glad Oppenheimer's doing well as well because, and they've also helped each other out. Like without Barbie, Oppenheimer probably wouldn't be as popular. Without Oppenheimer, Barbie probably wouldn't be as popular. Maybe not as much, but I think a lot of people, I'm kind of glad this has happened, but a lot of people who just like saw the meme online and wanted to be involved, like this culture of not wanting to miss out and wanting to be in on the joke. A lot of people went to watch Oppenheimer for the meme and were like, either depressed or didn't understand i was like oh god no why am i here you know like i think a lot of people just didn't expect anything and same with barbie as well like a lot of people wanted to do the meme and then went to watch barbie and were like oh i don't like this i'm a man i don't like this but yeah anyway both really good films everyone should watch them everyone probably has watched them but let's move on let's talk about mission impossible shall we Okay, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about these in my, like, ranking order. So I guess we'll kind of do a ranking, but I'll just... It's more just a general chat about these films. Okay, so there's obviously seven films. We're waiting for Dave Reckoning Part 2. Dave Reckoning Part 1 has just come out. So in seventh place, we have Mission Impossible 2. Now, this is everyone's least favourite one, I think. It's so stupid, like... I, it made me feel sorry for Tandy Newton... She's just so sexualized in this. Like, as I said before, like, I watched the first one a few months ago. And then I watched the second one. I started the second one straight after. And I got to the scene of them in, like, the bath where she's trying to steal something. I was like, there are too many shots here of of her uh, cleavage. They aren't, they don't really have chemistry. I'm just going to turn this off just because it's annoying me. Um, but I rewatched it. You know, because I just wanted... I wanted to watch the good ones, you know. I wanted to get to the good ones. Um, So I watched Mission Impossible 2. And, yeah, it's not very good. It's very cringy at some points. It's got... Actually, what I'll say is... It's probably got one of the best openings to a Mission Impossible film. I'll give it that, like... The scene of him climbing that big rock is pretty incredible. Like, that's edge-of-your-seat stuff for me. Like, my tummy was going crazy with that it's probably the most like heart in mouth mission possible stunt i've had because they do a lot sometimes where like if it's him doing like a halo jump or him doing the jump off the rock on the bike in the most recent one or him on the side of the burj khalifa they do a lot of these like ones that are meant to like turn your stomach but none has got me more than that rock that rock climb man that's it's a really good opening one of the best openings ever but the rest of the film just isn't it. I'm just trying to remember what else is in that film. Because all I can remember is just, like, bad anime hair. You know, it's directed by John Woo. It should be good, but it's just not. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Honestly, I don't have that much to say about it. I honestly... I watched these a while ago. I can't really remember much. Like, especially... Move on to the next one. So, in sixth place is the first Mission Impossible. I think this is a lot of people really like this one. But it's just... I remember watching just being bored. And just not really enjoying it. I read... What did I... I can't remember this, but apparently there's only like two or three gunshots in this. 
or two or three like deaths by gun in this um whereas in the rest of one everyone's shooting all the time which i quite like that it was a m- bit more restrained it's so like um this film's very paranoid like there's everyone's sweating all the time everyone's very paranoid everything's very close lots of dutch angles stuff like that um which is interesting film wise it's kind of like this is a weird um comparison it's kind of like twilight like the first twilight is a lot more interesting in like a filmmaker point of view than the rest of them like the it's a lot more interesting than the rest of them filmically and that's gives it points but it's just kind of boring to be honest like yeah you get the scene of him lowering in the classic scene but it's just kind of boring um yeah that those are my only thoughts sorry guys um what's next Mission Impossible 3 is in fifth place. At this point, you're just kind of waiting for the good ones to come around. But this is actually really good. I actually really like this one. I think a lot... Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman does a lot of the heavy lifting and why this is good. Um, but it has more moments in this where I thought, that's, that's cool. Like the scene where they're putting on the masks... Like in the fir- in the first the first one or the second one where they like introduce the masks more often. It's at first you're like, okay, sure, if this is this doesn't make much sense to me, but sure, I guess I've got to accept this. But by the third one, you're kinda like, Yeah, they're putting on masks, they're looking like someone, they've got voice changes, yeah, why not? Um and I really like the Philip Seymour Hoffman scene where John- Tom Cruise puts the mask on. And like changes it and he like it melds into his face it's really interesting really good effect um so i really like that bit yeah obviously the bad the bad guy is the best part of this apart from that it's kind of kind of generic but philip c mofton is incredible in it he's really he's probably the best antagonist out of all of these films if i'm being honest um other films are better obviously but in terms of antagonist philip c mofton's the best one i think um yeah these early ones I don't have much to say to be honest just because there's very like specific things I like about them. And the next four are kind of all on a similar level. So on Letterboxd I rated two, two stars, number one, two and a half, and number three, three and a half. Mm, that probably should be a three, but three and a half. And then all of the next ones are four stars. I just kind of which ones I prefer. So next I've got Ghost Protocol. The fourth film in fourth spot. Um, really like Ghost Protocol. I kind of... It's got a lot that I really, really like about this. I think Jeremy Renner adds something that we didn't have before. Um, really, really good. The... What's... Oh, Brad Bird directed this? Weird. What's the lady's name? Is it Paula Patton? Paula Patton? Is that her name? Paula Patton, yeah. I think she's really good in it. She had something different as well. You kind of something I will talk about with this series is that Tom Cruise definitely has a type. Um, um, it's like strong women in pantsuits who can wrap their legs around your head and break your neck. But anyway, so yeah, we've got Paul Pan in this one, and then she's obviously put to the side, and uh, thingy comes in. Rebecca Ferguson, she comes in. Um, anyway, so Ghost Protocol. Obviously, there's a burgeoning for scene, which is good. It's gripping but it's honestly not the thing i like most about this film um i like just the espionage of it i really like the film for that um 
you don't really know who to trust. Like, for ages, I was like, I don't trust Alec Baldwin in this. Like, forever. Wait, he's in this one? Is Alec Baldwin in this one? Oh, he's not in this one. Is he not? I thought Alec Baldwin was in this one. He's not in this one. Oh, shit. Oh, he's not. Oh, okay. Um. Okay. Uh, I was going to say that I don't trust Alec Baldwin in any of these films. He never does. He never, like, is the bad guy, but I just never trusted him. I guess I was right if it was real life. Um, but yeah, this one, where it falls down is like the antagonist. It's not really memorable at all. Like literally before I started this, I had to, like, who is the bad guy in Ghost Protocol? But, you know, there's certain really good moments in this film. The The party scene's really good. Um, the, obviously the Burj Khalifa scene. All, and not just where he's like climbing up the building, but also when they're trying to do the diamonds deal. And with these films, there's always, like, a thing that they have to get. There's a thing that's threatening the world. There's a thing that they have to steal or whatever. But it's the tropes of the genre. It's the tropes of Mission Impossible films, and I like it for that. Now, the next three, I really struggle to put in an order. Um, so, in third place, I've decided to put Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, just because I really love the next two. So, Dead Reckoning Part 1, I've put in and watched it a couple of days ago. It's really, really good. Um, what I will say, and what, okay, so spoilers, this is obviously the most recent one, so it's probably the one people are least likely to have seen, maybe. What I really liked about this one is it gave the genre stakes, because something that is often put against Mission Impossible films is that no one really ever dies, no, there's no, there's no threat, really, because everyone's going to survive, all the, all the team are going to survive. What I really about to about this one, and I don't think they'll bring her back because it seems pretty definitive, is that Rebecca Ferguson's character dies. Like, Isla... It's, it's annoying me that it's not pronounced Isla, but Isla dies. And it gives the whole franchise stakes suddenly because, oh, people, they can't, they will kill main characters off. Like, Benji could die now. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of feeling that I got from that. And whereas before, I was like, everyone's going to be fine, actually. Like, yeah, they might get shot. Yeah, they might get killed. But then it's someone else gonna, in a mask. But this gave it stakes. And I really, really liked it for that. Um, I think the bad guy is pretty interesting. I don't really find the AI antagonist that interesting. Um, but sure, why not? It's like the modern enemy. Um, but I don't really care. Um, I think the, the what's the salt and pepper guy, what's his name? I can't remember the character's name. Gabriel. He's good. He's a good antagonist, but, you know, fine. Um, I don't really care for Vanessa Kirby in this. I think she gives a good performance, but um, I don't really care for her character. I don't really get the white, is it the white widow, whatever it's called? Um, I don't really care for her character i'm not really in i'm not like oh it's it's that character great i'm glad she's back i just don't really care for it it's fine um uh what's her name Haley atwell comes in and does a good job i really like their chemistry the scene of them in the car um is very comedic which i was like oh okay mission impossible yeah i suppose this can be done um but i really like their chemistry it is kind of like oh they killed rebecca ferguson but now they've got Hayley Atwell. They just replaced a woman with another woman. Um, and it was kind of funny that, like, I'm going to 
kill one of the two people you care about most. And it's like, he's known Hayley Atwell for five minutes. He's, he's, he's meant to be in love with Rebecca Ferguson, and, and, and you're comparing it to Hayley Atwell, who he's known for a day? But the film was trying to tell me that, like, he cares so deeply about her. I was like, yeah, obviously he cares about everyone. He saves everyone. He says, he says, um, saves, um, Pom, what's her name? Sorry, Clem, Clementif. He saves Pom, Pom Clementif's character's life without really knowing her and her trying to kill her. But so obviously he cares about people, but I don't know. People, I think they, I don't know. I just didn't really like that. We were just like, here's the new woman. Oh, we need a woman. Rebecca Ferguson is dead. Oh, Hayley Atwell's here now. That's fine. Um, but I like the death of Rebecca Ferguson's character, even though she's probably my favourite character in the series. It's kind of sad, but I liked that aspect of it. Um, I didn't really like that it's like, oh, it's an antagonist from your past that we've never seen before. Apparently, there was like a 20-minute minute de-aging sequence of Tom Cruise. Like, as we see, like, snippets of a woman in his past getting killed by this Gabriel guy. Um, but apparently there's, like, a 20-minute um, sequence of D.H. Tom Cruise chasing this guy, but they just cut it because it was weird. It's interesting, if they kept that in, then there would have been two films with a de-aging sequence, a train sequence, obviously, because Indiana Jones as well. So that would have been kind of weird if both films had that, but I'm glad they got rid of it. Apparently, Chris and McQuarrie kind of said, yeah, just kind of take you out of the film, just staring at young Tom Cruise when you know he's not young anymore. Um, so it's incredible restraint to get rid of that, actually. I bet there was a lot of butting heads about that. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. But I just didn't enjoy it as much as the next two. Now, these two... Really love these two. So... I really flip flops about this, but so in third, in third, in third, in second place, I've got Rogue Nation. Um, well, I really like Rogue Nation. It's every character I like is in the film. So we've got Jeremy Renner. Love Jeremy Renner's character. We've got Rebecca Ferguson. She's great. Her introduction's great. She's really like sexy in this, and not in like a way. Obviously, there's like a fucking stupid shot of her just getting undressed for some reason. Um, but she's like, she's sexy in a different kind of way, not in like a, uh, what's, not in like a, um, objectifying way, but more in like a, like a powerful kind of, um, just in a different kind of way. I don't know how to explain it, but she's just really, like, the same way that, like, Henry Cavill is in the next one. Um, he's, yeah, I just really like her in this, um. She's really, like, one of the best additions to the the franchise that we've had. Um, Jeremy Renner's obviously sticking around. He's really good in this. He's not in the next two, which are weird, but... Um, I think he should be in the next one. Obviously, he's had that horrible crash, and he's kind of taken a break from acting a little bit, but a horrible accident, actually, not crash, and taking a break from acting, but they should get him for the next one, I think. I think that'd be good. Um, but, yeah, I really like this one. Like, they introduced a lot of great things. The Syndicate's a really cool idea. Like this, like anti IMF. They shouldn't. I don't think that was kind of. You need to say that, um, but they do say like Simon Pegg says like they're the anti IMF, but didn't really need to say that. But it's a really good film. A really good action in it. Um, the bike chase is really good. Um, again, Simon Pegg's really good in this. Ving, Ving Rhames is really good in this. Alec Baldwin is like don't really trust him at any at any point, but he's still really good. Um, 
Sean Harris is that the bad guy? Yeah, Sean Harris is actually really good in this. I really like that bad guy, and obviously comes back for Fallout. But I really like him. He's kind of this like um, cool, common, collected, understated bad guy, which is good. Um, I think he's better in the next one. He's a better bad guy in the next one. Um, but he's really good in this as well. Um, but yeah, I just really like this one. Um, Tom Hollander, great actor, just shows up and plays the the Prime Minister. He's really good. I really like him. He's one of the best comedic actors out there, to be honest. Um, and obviously, there's the... There's the I, did, I even forgot there was in this film. I was just flicking through some reviews where he says, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny. And that's a pretty good line. It's an incredible line performed incredibly by Alec Baldwin. Um, yeah, yeah, he's just a force of nature in this one, Tom Cruise. And Rebecca Ferguson is also as well. Jeremy Renner adds great. It's just a great film. It's just an incredible film, this one. And I really, really like it. Next is Fallout. The best one. Everyone knows it's the best one. It's just got all the things you want from a Mission Impossible film. Like, obviously, they bring back the wife. I didn't even speak about the wife. Uh, they bring back the wife from the older film. Is it Mission Impossible 4? Or 3? I can't remember. Three. Is it three? Yeah, it's three. I genuinely can't remember. I think it's Mission Possible Three. Um they bring her back at the end and that has something really good. Um I didn't even spoke about the stunts actually. Let me st- actually I'll do that at the end. Or I'll do that kind of during this one as well. So I could do it now. Why not? I can do it now. So obviously in this one we have the famous Halo jump stunt. And although it's really good what I didn't like was that they kind of ruined it with a bunch of CGI, like clouds and lightning. It makes it feel fake, and they do the same thing with the water stunt in one of the other ones. I think it's Rogue, Rogue Nation, I think? No. Is it Rogue Nation? Whatever, the water stunt. They kind of ruin it with this like weird CGI. They had like CGI water, they had CGI like the spinning thing. It just kind of ruins it. Like I know Tom Cruise did this, does this stuff for real, but you kind of make it you make it easy for us to believe that he wouldn't do this stuff for real, you know? Like, him doing the Halo jump's really good, but then you kind of like, oh, but there's a bunch of CGI, so maybe they just CGI'd the whole thing. You know? Um, it's the same with... Oh, what's the one from Dead Reckoning? Um, the Well, the bike jump, sorry, in Dead, Re- Dead Reckoning. They kind of do it, and there's really good, like, GoPro shots that are really cool that add a bit of, like, visceral... Um, reaction to it but then they add like some like cgi like the the thing because in the behind the scenes sorry i'm a bit all over the place but the behind the scenes is like him actually on a ramp and he goes off the cliff but you can tell like when he's on the cliff in the film it kind of looks cgi like the cliff looks cgi so it kind of like oh then is he doing it for real like obviously we know he's doing it for real because it's tom cruise but it kind of adds that um, that kind of thought of, oh, this isn't real, actually. Whereas I just want it to be as they shot it, kind of. I want it to be, like, them doing a halo jump as they shot it. And I know they want it, They did the halo jump it during the day and they had to CGI it so it's at night. But just make the scene during the day, you know. Give me the most visceral. That's why I really like the rock climbing and the Burj Khalifa scene. Because they're just, like, it's, there's less... Uh, CGI elements in it so you're like oh shit he's doing it for real um, but yeah anyway anyway Fallout so obviously Henry Cavill is incredible in this 
there's the amazing bathroom scene fight which I thought was going to last forever but it's actually really quick but it's still really good Angela Bassett's really good in this the obviously the twist about um, Henry Cavill's character being the big bad guy really good twist um, you kind of see it coming but it's a really good twist um, yeah it's just all these films are really really good actually maybe I prefer Rogue Nation no okay I'll stick it I'll stick to where I am with this but I and obviously Rebecca Ferguson flip-flops on whether she's on our team or not but which I just honestly quite like that about her character but um yeah all these films are really good they're really enjoyable well, not all of them are really good I take that back um I've previously said why some of them are very good however they're really enjoyable films and they should keep making as many as possible I've it's weird that like we all know that Tom Cruise isn't a great bloke he hasn't treated many of his wives particularly well um and he's a Scientologist and there's lots of other weird things about him everyone says he's really intense like Thandie Newton says like nothing against Tom Cruise but that film and him were a bit too intense for me like we all know Tom Cruise isn't a great bloke but yeah, he's so good he's like his PR team and his he's just so good like no one cares about that stuff because he makes good food good food <laughs> he makes good I mean maybe he does make good food but he makes good films and he's great in press uh, in like press junkets he's great on chat shows he's incredibly charming like off what I will say is that often in these films um you get moments where I'm like mm, Tom Cruise is an alien trying to like figure out what it is to be a human like sometimes you'll see Tom Cruise act and sometimes in act on like press junkets and stuff and sometimes you'll think oh he's really charming other times you'll think no you're an alien yeah you're, you're you're trying to figure out how to be human actually you're not you don't exactly know how to act or be a, a human person um just because he says like he's so intense and he's so like robotic sometimes but you know he makes he makes excellent films like his his turnaround from being this like a weird guy who uh treated what's her face um the girl from the girl from dawson's creek i can't remember her name I'm so sorry, but treating her badly and um, not, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but obviously, and you know, the Nicole, Nicole Kidman, like divorce and Scientology stuff. Obviously, he's just weird. He's a weird guy, but he makes good films and I like his films and I kind of like him weirdly. I'm like, he's a weird guy, but he makes good films. So I like him. And lots of people, I say, I look like Tom Cruise. And before I used to take that badly. I have a, a few customers at work and a few people say I look like Tom Cruise and I used, to, I used to be like oh he's the weird Scientology guy but I'm like yeah fuck yeah I'll do stunts yeah I do those stunts yeah I'm yeah he makes good films yeah cool um which is an interesting turn I think everyone's had with Tom Cruise where everyone's suddenly like yeah he's awesome I love Tom Cruise um what I actually did want to say, like, he should do more comedies. Like, he's a really, like, intense guy, and he just wants to do Mission Impossible films until the day he dies or kills himself because of a bad stunt. But, he, like, the scene with Hayley Atwell in the car just reminds you that he's, like, a really good comedic actor as well. Like, I haven't seen... Oh, what's the film he's in? That he's, like, comedy where he's got, like, 
a weird um, prosthetic on. What's it? What's it called? Is it? Genuinely can't remember what it's called. Um, but there's a film where he's like plays like a really funny character. He's got like big hairy arms and has like a comb over and stuff. Anyway, that film can't remember what it's called. Uh, he's really funny in it, and he he's like yeah, he's just really funny in it, and they sh- he should make more comedies, but he won't. He's just gonna make Mission Impossible films until the end. Um, yeah, yeah, he's just he should just make more. He should just make more comedies, but he won't. Um, and I don't mind that anyway because the films he is making are excellent. <sighs> Do I want to say anything more on Mission Impossible? Do I? They're just really good films, man. They're really good films, and people should watch them. Let's get bombs in seats. Let's make Tom Cruise happy. It's weird that I want to make Tom Cruise happy, isn't it? He's a weird guy. I shouldn't want to make this weird guy, this weird Scientologist guy happy. But I do. I want to go see his films. Make more, Tom. Make more. Um, But yeah, looking forward to Dead Reckoning Part 2. It's going to kick off. Some AI stuff's going to happen and the end of the world and all that sort of stuff. And I'm happy for it. And I want everyone who's ever been in this franchise to come back. I want Jeremy Renner back. I want... Alec Baldwin's dead, isn't he? Uh, Is he? I can't remember. Sure, Alec Baldwin. Oh no, actually, Alec Baldwin's a bad dude. Uh, I don't want him back. Uh, I want the wife back. I want the guy who has the weird beard in Hunger Games to come back. Uh, I want sure Rebecca Ferguson can come back. Actually, no, but maybe just some like flashbacks of her being doing cool shit. That would be nice. Um, who else can come back? Vanessa Kirby. Sure, you can, you can come for the next one. Why not? Um, and then give me some people. Maybe like, maybe in the last one, because in in this most recent one, they're like all the women that Tom Cruise touches. Not Tom, sorry, that was weird. That Ethan Hunt like comes in contact with die or get thrown to the wayside, and he doesn't care about them. Maybe just all of them. Bring all of them back. Bring all the women of Ethan Hunt back, and just get them to just like beat the shit out of him, and then beat the shit out of the AI. <laughs> I don't know. But bring everyone back. Let's start, let's have a big party and do reckoning part two. Just bring all the favourites back I don't think Vink, uh, what's his name Vink Rames Vink Rames I don't think he's ever going to stand up again in these films he's just constantly just like sad esque it's funny at the end of Dead Reckoning he's just like yeah I'm just going to head off and figure this shit out actually like I don't want to play about with this this stuff anymore I'm just going to I'm just going to go and you'll see me in the next film once I've figured out how to destroy an AI um, and like usually that would annoy me in films like this happens a lot in Mission Impossible where they just have a gadget that fits exactly the specific situation but it's cool like the one in god which one is it is it Ghost Protocol I think it might be Ghost Protocol um, where it's the the screen that mirrors what's behind it that's so cool like whoever came up with that is amazing it's probably Tom Cruise or Christopher McQuarrie it was somebody Whoever came up with that is a genius. That's such a cool scene. I love that scene. And it's just like, that wouldn't, that doesn't exist, but it needs a very specific reason that it exists. And that's the scene that it's in. And that's the only reason it exists. And I love that. And it's just, yeah, it's just like, oh, I have this thingamabob, thingamajig that, that has, a, has a very specific, very specific, specific use. And luckily we are in that very specific scenario right now. So let's use it. Um, but you just gotta accept that shit with Mission Impossible, and I will watch these until they stop making them, which is probably gonna be never. So I'm all in. I'm all in, baby. Right, I think that's actually it 
for this episode of the Wagonga Coffee Table podcast. Thank you so much all for listening. Um, you know, I was going to say, hopefully I'll do these more often, but who knows, to be honest. This next month's going to be really busy for me. I'm moving I'm moving out of my flat. Um, yeah, just a lot's going to be happening over the next month or so. So we'll see how often I get to do these. But hopefully I will. I want to do the Christopher Nolan ranking and... And that'll probably come out soon because at least I know what I'm going to do. But yeah, that's been it for episode. What did I say? 24? God. 24? Yeah. Episode 24 of the Why We Were Coffee Table podcast. Please leave a rating. Please leave a review. Please share. Do whatever you want or not. Or not. If you don't want to, I don't have to force you. Um, I don't have to force you, but I, I will. Because it is your mission. Do you choose to accept it or whatever they say in these films? Anyway. Thank you so much for listening. You'll hear me next time. I was going to say next week, but you'll hear me next time. Bye.